This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. So why don't more politicians apologize? I've always wondered about this, even more so this morning, when I woke up to check in on what Prime Minister Trudeau had to say about this SNC-Lavalin situation and the breakdown of the relationship with Jody Wilson-Raybould. I thought for sure there would be an apology. But no, no apology. I don't get it. Saying, I'm sorry, I take responsibility for this, or I'm going to learn from this, I made a mistake, or something along those lines would do him a lot of good right now. And yet, despite it being in his own best interest, no backing down and no apology. So this morning, the Prime Minister had that press conference to address this scandal, and he says that he should have been aware of an erosion of trust between his office and the former Justice Minister and AG, Jody Wilson-Raybould. But he stressed that he continues to believe there was no inappropriate pressure applied in this case. He was given the opportunity this morning to apologize, actually. Global News reporter Amanda Connolly actually asked him directly if he was prepared to offer an apology in this case, and here's his reply. Hi, Amanda Connolly with Global. Uh, Prime Minister, thank you for taking our questions today. Just to clarify, are you apologizing for anything today? Um, I will be making an Inuit apology this afternoon, but in regards to, uh, and in regards to standing, in regards to standing up for jobs and defending the integrity of our, our rule of law, um, I continue to say that there was no inappropriate pressure. I'm obviously reflecting on lessons learned through this, and I think Canadians expect that of us, that any time we go through periods of internal disagreement and indeed uh, challenges to internal trust as we have, there are things that we have to reflect on and understand and do better next time. Yeah, that's advice for himself essentially at this point, right? Because the rest of us are going, you just extended this story today by not saying, I'm sorry, I should be learning this, I'll do better. So why is it that this always happens? Why don't politicians just come out with those simple words? That's what we're going to ask our next guest. Ken Coach is a crisis communications consultant with Media Coach and a former TV journalist with both the CBC and CTV national news programs. Ken, thanks for being here. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you were shaking your head too like I was when you heard the Prime Minister's clip there. Why? Well, there's a fundamental thing about any kind of issues management or crisis communication. There are three things that people want to hear right away. I'm sorry, I have fixed it, it's never going to happen again. To the, so to the extent that we can say those things, the crisis will dissipate, and it can dissipate very, very quickly. The problem is people don't like to admit that they were wrong and don't like to say that they're sorry. The lawyers get involved and they say there'll be consequences, there'll be things that we may have to uh, deal with by saying that. But really, an apology is, is one of the the nicest things that people will hear. It, people want to forgive you. They want to let yeah. you move on. And if we don't apologize, you you don't look sincere anymore. You look like you're trying to hide something. So true. I was thinking back this morning to the 2014 uh, municipal election where you had Vancouver Mayor Gregor Robertson at that time running for another term. And there's a lot of anger towards him at that time people doubting whether he was going to get reelected. But then he went on this apology tour and he was saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for the way things have happened. And he said it over and over and over again. And a lot of people credit that to the fact that he got reelected. Yeah, and it's not just saying you're sorry. I, I was, yesterday I was working with a client 
And it's not a case of them having to say they're sorry, but having to take responsibility for what yes. happened. Yes. And so in, in some way you have to show that you're taking responsibility, you understand that something went wrong or something needed to be fixed, and you're going to be fixing it as soon as you can. I don't know why people are reluctant to do that. I don't know either. Why are politicians in particular reluctant to do that, do you think, Ken? Well, I've it's been... It's like a, another story, right? <laughs> it is another story. <laughs> and I've been in a few political back rooms from time to time. And one of the things that I've noticed that happens when, when there is something that is um, not what we plan for or not what they expected to have happen, there's a whole bunch of people fill up the room and a whole bunch of people have ideas about what we need to do and how we need to try to contain this and how we need to worry about our base or worry about how it's going to play in some particular riding. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of factors that come into play and they forget the basic of it. And the basic is, in any crisis situation, whether it's political or not political, what people remember, they tend to forget the original crisis. They remember how you handled it. Thank you. That's exactly what's going on in this case, don't you think? I think exactly, yes. And, and, and then they, so what happened was, I think they, in, in, and I'm guessing here now, but I guess that in some back room, they, they came up with a response. And we'll try that response. And it didn't work, so they changed the response. And, they, and so what we have is people out there, and you're seeing it in the op-ed columnists, and you're seeing it in, the, in public. I was talking in my lo local bar the other day, last night, and somebody said, you know what? I just don't believe him because the story keeps changing. Yeah. So they could have... the story. So dumb and so basic. Like, I shake my head every day at this yeah. thing. And the story that they eventually fessed up to could have worked for them at the beginning. If they had done it at the beginning. Yeah. Or they could have said at the very beginning, um, yes, we're concerned about jobs, and, and yes, we made that clear to the AG, um, but it wasn't inappropriate. But by, by getting there through this torturous process, it's, they don't have the same credibility. No, they don't. I keep thinking of how effective it would be if at some point in this last month the Prime Minister had said, listen... Something went wrong here. I'm sorry, but we're going to find out what it was, and we've got to fix this. And there's been some kind of misunderstanding, and I, I, I'm sorry. This, like, just that simple thing would have gone a long way to fixing this. I think there was panic in that, in that political ah. back room. And I, I, I see it with some of the clients that I have. And, and something that maybe is not that big a deal, it feels life-threatening or career-threatening, and it feels like this could be the end if we don't handle it right. and deal with it and get it. Get it off the table right away. Is this petty politics, do you think? Is this just a, I'm not going to apologize? I think it might be inexperience. Oh. When, you know, the Prime Minister has had it pretty good till now. He's, he's, so true. He's been adored. He's, he's had his picture taken. He's, he's, certainly there was a, uh, a long honeymoon when he was elected, it seemed, and, and, and everybody was liking the way he looked when he met uh, Donald Trump, and, and we were kind of getting happy with having a different kind of politician. Right, but, you know, my grandmother always said, what goes up comes down. Well, that's true. And also, now we start to wonder, do we have a different kind of politician? Because he brought in two incredibly smart, intelligent, capable women to, to, into his cabinet, and they both left on principle now. Yeah, and he didn't listen to them. That's right. So if you were advising them in this situation, I'm going to allow you, Ken, to offer some free advice now to the Prime Minister and his circle about how to get out of this thing. 
Yeah. I all <laughs> <laughs> Is it too late for your advice, Ken? You know, Is that I often get called too late. Yeah. Um I'll bet. But you know what he could do, and he won't do this. I would do a, an, he has to do another cabinet shuffle. I would put Jody back in as AG. And say Oh and to yeah. say this this is where it should have been, and that will probably uh, pull Philpot back into the cabinet and say, we're going to do things better going forward. That would surprise the hell out of everybody, and it would be seen. Remember what I said? There's it would three, neutralize everything. Uh, remember I said there's three things. Yeah. I'm sorry, I fixed it, and it's never going to happen again. It would, it would address those last two things. Right, but that's a very bold move. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's actually going to happen. No, and because that's what politicians don't do. They don't do bold moves. They do the way business has been done for, you know, forever, and and they fall back on that stuff because they think it's safer. But this is something that repeatedly politicians a mistake that they all make, regardless of party and yeah. background. They all do this. Why is it human nature? It's partly human nature, and it's partly, as I said, I've worked with a lot of politicians, and I've before they get elected, they're wonderful, principled people. <laughs> <laughs> then what happens, well, Ken? Then, then what happens, there's all this stuff that they want to do, and after they've been in power, or the, they, they believe that they have to stay in power to do everything that they want to accomplish. And so then the little compromises come up and, and we have to do this. And yes, it's not the best thing to do, but we're looking right. at the greater good. Right. Okay. So do you see then continued trouble ahead here? Like from what you've seen, the way they've addressed it so far, is it just going to be more trouble? Well, the, we're going to find out uh, on October 30, or October 21st, right? It, I think um, there's a couple of things at play still. Trudeau um, alienated some of his allies with things like the trans- buying Transpound Pipeline. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of people that have probably still been saying, yeah, but he's not Harper. And he's not the, the conservatives. So what I would suspect could happen is that some of the more left-leaning Canadians may sit on their hands in the coming election. And that's what could cause him some trouble. Unless he does some kind of grand gesture between now and then. That's the thing. I, I always I feel like we're all sitting around waiting for that grand gesture, but it increasingly sounds to me and seems to me like they're not going to make one. I don't think they know what to do. I don't, th- I don't think they know what that grand gesture would be. They're not going to do what I just suggested. That w- I think that would get them out of it. I think it would too. But they don't know what the grand gesture should be. And, and what grand gesture can they use that will uh, satisfy not only the, the people that they're alienated, but the other parts of the party? And Is this bad advice, do you think, as well? Like when you've got somebody who's in a leadership position like that, obviously a lot of what they say and do is, is informed by the people around them and the advice that they give. So if you were to br- br- brought in there in that situation, wouldn't you, wouldn't you say, like, listen, you've got to stop listening to these people who are around you. They are giving you bad advice. Yes. So if I were brought in early on this sort of situation, I would have done something that uh, another PR person in in Vancouver, Jim Hogan, taught me many years ago, and that is eat big and eat early. So had what you mean by that is if there's a situation, come out as early as you can yeah. with the apology, with the fix it, with the whole sort of thing. We made a mistake and we're we're going to fix it now. They could have done that before Jody Wilson-Raybould 
testified in the committee. Yeah. And then that whole testimony would have had a whole different uh, uh, aspect to it. You're right, and yet this doesn't seem to happen. So, Ken, are you literally writing a manual while this is all going on and being like, so in the future, what you tell people not to do? I haven't written a manual. You know, there's a lot of uh, books about uh, crisis uh, training and uh, issues management and that sort of thing. In my experience, every crisis is different, but they're all the same. Which means that you, you, most of what you have to do is get into the head of the person who's feeling the crisis. Sometimes I feel I'm also being a counselor as well as I'm trying to get you them are. out of the, the problem, right? Yeah. And so part of it is, is to, uh, my training as a journalist for 20 years comes in incredibly handy because, as you know, you come into work in the morning and something lands on your desk that you've never heard of and you have to be an expert by the time the mic goes yep. up, right? Yep. So it's the same thing in crisis. So part of what I have to do is understand their business uh, quickly and then understand how they're feeling about the business. There are certain things that we can do, like you know, uh, apologize, say you're going to fix it and fix it. But often there are other things that, that are unique to whatever that crisis is. So it's hard to have a, a step-by-step manual. You kind of have to feel it out. Right, but this one certainly seems to go by the playbook. Uh, Ken, thank you for your time on this. You're welcome. My pleasure. Appreciate that. That's Ken Coach, crisis communications consultant with Media Coach and a former TV journalist with the CBC and CTV National News Programs.